What we're doing in this spiritual growth campaign is we are casting a vision for the Christian life. And the Bible and the apostles exhort us to grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord. They exhort us to strive for holiness. They tell us to train for godliness. This campaign is me trying to look at the text, us trying to look at the text of Scripture to answer precisely how we do that. How can we grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord? How do we strive for holiness? How do we train for godliness? What course of action do these things imply for Christians? The first, and, and the answer is, look at the gifts that God has given us and use them. So he's given us the gift of repentance. You don't just have to repent, you get to repent. You get to turn from meaninglessness, dryness and thinness and death, and you get to turn to the living God, to a life of, of vitality and hope and joy and love and peace that continues on for eternity, and you get to know your God. You are then you are given the Holy Spirit, who is God within you. And so what you do with the Holy Spirit is you keep in step with him. Right? The, we talk very much about receiving more of the Holy Spirit, but I think the emphasis should be more on letting the Holy Spirit get more of us as we obey him and be conformed to the image of Christ. Today, the third gift I'm looking at is the gift of his word that he's given us. For that, I would like to look in Psalm 1, 1 through 4. Read with me, if you would. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. I love, uh, I, I like listening to John Piper because sometimes he's very straightforward. So one time um, someone asked him, I, get, I think this was a podcast, they asked him, John, or Mr. Piper, Pastor Piper, how do I know that I'm married to the right person? And Piper's answer was, look at the marriage certificate. And that's how you know you're married to the right person. You look at the marriage certificate. In the same kind of vein of obvious plainness today, I want to answer the question is, how can you hear God's voice? How, how, how can you hear God speaking to you? And there are many ways we could answer that, but I think the most fundamental way is read your Bible. That's how you can hear God speaking to you. Take up the Word of God, the Scripture, and hear His voice and get His communication into your heart. 
The Bible, the, the Psalms tell us that the unfolding of God's words gives life. It talks about the, the scripture as a, as a lamp unto our feet. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. In the Old Testament, the kings were required to study and know the law. Parents were told to bind the law on their hearts and their heads and to, on their doorposts and to talk a, about the law with their children, to teach them the, the instruction of the Lord. Jesus said, we don't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Paul tells us that the scripture is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and training in righteousness. He also tells us that it is able to make us wise for salvation. Jeremiah says, Let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. But let him who boasts boast in this, that he understands and knows me. The scripture is the way we can do all of that. It's the way you can know your God. It's the way he speaks to us, primarily. It's the way we become familiar with his ways. We understand our place in redemptive history. It strengthens us to be a father of a household. It enables us to be a mother of children. It shapes the hearts and minds of young men and women so that they can grow up to be men and women of power and strength in the Lord. It is so difficult to overstate the importance of the Bible and the Scripture. It's what gives life to you. It brings order and life and light wherever it is present. Now, now is not the time for an apologetic for the Bible. Um, if you want to know why we believe the Bible is more than a human book, I could talk for another two hours on that. But to spare you from that, we do have, in our systematic theology, we answered that question fairly, with a fair amount of detail. That's on our website. If you go to Church of the Vine, our website, um, you go to the resources and systematic theology page, You'll see, um, you can listen to the audio of our teaching on why we believe the Bible is more than a human book. <clears throat> so I'm starting on that premise that the Bible is the inspired word of God. Because a lot of people have questions, and if you do, I'd love to talk to you afterwards. But I can tell you from experience, and not just my experience, in these, but the experience of the saints before us, that the word of God will form and shape those who listen to the voice of God in it. So this psalm that I just read is about two voices. The first is the counsel of the wicked. The second is the instruction of the Lord. One sets before us thinness and meaninglessness and purposelessness. And the other sets before us life and vitality. So my aim today is just is, is going to be very plain. My aim today is to encourage you to, from this day forward, if you are not doing so, to make scripture reading a daily habit for the rest of your life. That's my aim.
what I'd like to do is I want to look at the psalm and I want to give you two ways to be like the tree that the psalm talks about. Let's look at the, the psalm more closely first. The psalm says, Blessed is the man. Now the blessed man describes a person that's fortunate in the end. The, the Greek equivalent is makarios, and it's the word that Jesus uses in the Beatitudes when he says, blessed are the poor in spirit. See, the poor in spirit in, in Jesus' time was not thought to be blessed. It was the strong in spirit. It wasn't those who mourn. It was those who were robust. It's, it certainly wasn't the poor. It was the rich. But Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit. Now, why did he say that? It's because the poor in spirit need what the Lord has for them. They need the forgiveness that the Lord has for them. So if you are in a state of need and dependence on the Lord, you are very well off. You're in a fortunate position. So the word here is about the man who is fortunate. He's well off in the end because he delights in and needs what God has for him. That's the blessed man. Here's the way of the blessed man then. The blessed man, first of all, is not shaped by the counsel of godless people. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the, in the seat of scoffers. The counsel of the wicked the counsel is to receive their instruction. It's to receive their advice and make it part of your life. If you walk in the counsel of the wicked, it means that the patterns of your life, the patterns of your life are shaped by the thoughts of godless men and women. And this doesn't just need to be someone speaking to you. Think about the avenues of communication I don't care if it's television I don't care podcasts um, it could be the advice of other other people but what is shaping the direction of our lives that's what's being talked about he does not shape the blessed man does not shape his life with the counsel of the of godless men he does not stand in the way of sinners that means he does not follow their behavior and he does not sit in the seat of scoffers. To sit with somebody is to belong with them. So you follow their instruction, you receive their counsel, then you stand in their way and soon enough you're sitting in their seat. I want you to notice there is a descending order in this verse. Walking, standing, sitting. First you're moving, then you're in the flow with them, and then you're seated with them. One biblical scholar, Tremper Longman, says, To walk with somebody is to be associated with them, but not as deeply as to stand with them or to sit with them. So this is, this is about how a person becomes increasingly more associated with the godless instruction, with godlessness. So this is speaking about a way of becoming. It's a way of becoming something. 
It's a way of developing as a person. And it begins with the counsel that you receive. What becomes of the wicked? They are like chaff. Verse 4. The wicked are not so. They're not like the tree. They're like chaff that the wind drives away. Now chaff, that was the husks, and it was the straw that was lighter than wheat. And the farmer would take a, a pitchfork, and he would throw the wheat up in the air, and the wind would carry away the light chaff and separate it from the wheat. And the psalm is saying that this is what the wicked man is like. The person who's received the instruction of the wicked, who's walked with them, who's seated with them, this is what they become. They become light, thin. There's no weightiness to them because they're not rooted in anything. They become dry. And, and you will notice that people of the world who walk in the counsel of godlessness are all surface level. There's a thinness and a lightness to them. They do not consider things of eternity. They don't consider weighty matters, but they're like chaff that the wind drives away. And so I, you know, I see an analogy here to, uh, to Genesis 1. Before God's word enters the arena, what is it? It's formless. It's dark. It's empty and void. As soon as God speaks, things happen. There's order and life and light when God speaks. But before that, emptiness, void, meaninglessness. That is the way of those who refuse to hear refuse to have God's words speak into their life. They will remain formless and void, and darkness will be over their life. They'll be like chaff that the wind drives away because they are not attached to anything life-giving. They're not attached to eternity. So this is, this is a description and also an invitation. It's a description of the wicked and a description of the blessed man, or it's a description of the unfortunate man and the blessed man, as well as an invitation to be the blessed. The blessed man, however, is not like the chaff, that he is in a happy condition because he listens to the voice of another. It says, His delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. His delight is in the law of the Lord. His instruction, that means maybe it's the Ten Commandments in this passage the psalmist is talking about. Maybe it's the law of Moses. Maybe it's the whole Torah, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. The point is, whatever God speaks, it is this person's delight. He delights in the communication of the Lord. He delights in the instruction of the Lord. So whatever God speaks, the blessed man hears and delights in. But he doesn't just hear it and delight in it, he meditates on it day and night. To meditate means to ponder over it. It's to fill your mind with the instruction of the Lord. It's to have his voice reside in you. 
We're going to talk about meditation in a minute. But it's not just to hear. It's to, it's to have it to be a part of your life and then to live it out. That's the blessed man. What becomes of him? Verse 3. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. You ever see a tree planted right next to the river? I took Wesley walking, I remember a couple of years ago, and um, we were deep in the woods somewhere, and there was this stream running through the, through the woods, and there was a big tree, and half of the roots were going right down into the stream. And that's what I picture in this psalm. The blessed man has his roots in the stream of God's voice. He's, he, he's right in the way of God's life-giving communication. He's drinking in the supply of God's voice. And he bears its fruit in its season. A tree is going to absorb the water and be able to produce something useful and fruitful. In order for a tree to grow, it needs to have a steady supply of water and sun. If it does not have that, it will shrivel and die. So, likewise, if there is a community of people, or even a person, who does not have the Word of God persistently in their life, they're going to become thin and dry. And they will shrivel and eventually die. The blessed man bears his fruit in season and his leaf does not wither. That means he is safe from damage of drought because his roots are in the stream. So he doesn't have to wait for the rain. He doesn't have to wait for times of refreshing or seasons where he's constantly downpoured upon. He is steady. And he is confident because he has been in the word for a long time. And even if the sun shines hot and the rain does not fall, he is still in the stream of God's voice. And he can still be fruitful in dry seasons. So that's what the blessed man is like. I, I, have, lo I have lived with this picture in my heart. It's about a man who is shaped by God's instruction. He is like a tree that's planted by a continuous flow of God's life-giving communication. He is instructed by it. His intelligence is awakened. His spirit is vivified. He is strong. He becomes vital because he is in the flow of what God speaks to him. That's what I want you to be. And that's what I want to be. So... I want to give you two ways to be the tree. So how do you grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord? You must. You must be a man or you must be a woman of the word. All right? Two things you could do. First of all, I want to encourage you to plant yourself right next to the stream of God's word for the rest of your life. I want you to make daily Bible reading a habit from now on. Now, I know some of you have done that and have been doing that. You know, I saw a Reformation study Bible next to the chair on the coffee table at one of your houses, and it warmed the cockles of my heart. 
to see somebody have a Reformation study Bible right next to their chair. That's the picture I have. I want you to have your Bible right next to the chair so that when you wake up in the morning, the first thing you do is meet the Lord. Trees do not make occasional visits to places. And I don't want you to make an occasional visit to Scripture. I want you to be a tree that's planted right next to the Word of God. So please try to make a resolve in your heart right now as I'm speaking to make daily Bible reading a habit for the rest of your life. All right? That's my challenge for you. Because some of, some of you only hear the Word of God on Sunday when the Word is read. And don't, don't wonder then why you seem cold to spiritual things, why, why there's not a vitality in your heart. We should not wonder why we feel slightly distant from the Lord if we don't let him talk to us. All right, so this is the way you can grow in not only the grace and knowledge, but in fellowship with the Lord. You need to get your self-planted next to the word of God. When Jesus, when the devil was tempting Satan, Jesus said, Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus did not speak about the Bible or scripture or the Old Testament in this point. He didn't, he didn't speak about God's word in terms of luxury. He spoke about it as a necessity in terms of life. It's that which gives life. So you can't live on the bread of last week. You can't live on the word of God. Renew yourself daily. It's your daily bread. Plant yourself next to the stream of God's voice. Every day, take in the nourishment of God's word for your life and become shaped and formed by it. When I was in college, I was foolish, I was young, I was, I'm not intelligent now, but I certainly wasn't intelligent then. I had no direction really in life. Um, I, I was sort of purposelessly floating through life. I was 21, or 20. And I remember it was my first day away at college, and I grabbed for the most familiar thing, which was my old King James study Bible. And uh, for some reason, I started to read it. I read a chapter. Then the next morning, I woke up and read, read another chapter. And I made that a habit, and I started reading more and more, but over the years, I became formed and filled by the Word of God. And I am not the person I am when I was 20. And I'm not the person I was becoming when I was 20. Something happened to me through the reading of God's Word. I can tell you by a surety. My, my intellect was awakened. My spirit was warmed and, and vivified. I felt something come to life in me through the reading of God's Word. I had always believed 
that Jesus died and rose again, rose again, but it always felt like it was one step removed from reality. Like these spiritual things, they're true, but they're not as true as this. I'm touching this, you know. But the Word of God made God, Christ, the Holy Spirit, redemption, very real to me. Very real to me. And um, I just think that I've experienced exactly what Hebrews 4.12 says, that the Word of God is living and active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, and it will pierce you and cut you. It will divide you, shape you, and mold you into what God is making you to be. So I want, I want to encourage you to do this. Do what, I, what the Lord had me do in college, and read the Bible every day. Here's three, the three ways to do this. Number one, pick a time of day. I suggest the mornings. I suggest you give your mornings to the Lord. But if you don't pick a time of day to meet the Lord with His Word, you just won't do it. Because the day will get busy, things will happen, and you just won't get to it. So, pick a time of day. Morning or evening, I suggest the morning. But some of you maybe wake up early. Pick a, pick a specific time of day where you're going to meet the Lord and stick to it. The good thing is, if you miss a day, you have a plan for the next day, right? So if you miss a morning, you have a plan to get right back, back to it the next day. But don't miss a morning. You know, I heard one, one uh, David Mathis, who wrote an excellent book called Habits of Grace, which is kind of what I'm talking about in this series. He, um, he was asked by an inter interviewer. You know, David Mathis was talking about habits of grace, reading the Bible, prayer, fasting, joining a fellowship, and so on. And, and um, the interviewer asked him, now David, to close out, how, 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 much should, how much grace should we give ourselves if we miss a day of reading the Bible and prayer? You know, how can we give ourselves grace? And I loved his answer. David thought about it. He said, you know, should we give ourselves grace? It's more like we missed out on grace that day. These are the ordinary means of grace that God has given to us. The word and prayer especially are God's gracious gifts that allow us to have a conversation with God. We hear his voice through scripture and we speak to him in prayer. So it's not a matter of going easy on yourself here. I'm saying talk to the Lord. And if you don't talk to the Lord one day, I'm not condemning you. I'm just saying you missed out on the grace of developing a relationship with the creator of the universe, knowing your God and becoming shaped and formed by him knowing his promises, his story, and, and beginning to, to love the things he loves and know the things he knows. So give yourself grace by every day going to the Word. So pick a time of day. Secondly, I suggest you read the Bible systematically. Um, I suggest you not just open the Bible and point to a passage and start reading. I suggest you start 
in Genesis 1 and Matthew 1 and read one chapter in Genesis, one chapter in Matthew. If you can do two chapters a day only, let's start there. But I suggest you do that and read the Bible all the way through that way. You'll probably finish the New Testament two times and the Old Testament you'll have gone through once. And that will, that will be a great way where you can get the whole counsel of God in your mind. You will go through the history of Israel. You'll go through wisdom of the Proverbs. You'll go through the prayer of the Psalms. You'll go through the warnings of the prophets, the life of Jesus, the writings of Paul and Peter. You will be confused by a lot of things you see. You will be disgusted by the awful things, especially in the book of Judges and, and, and the things that happen in Genesis. It's very strange and odd. So you will be incensed at times. Your heart will be lifted at times. At other times they won't. But you will have gone through the counsel of God. So I encourage you to not just... The, don't look at the Bible, daily Bible reading, as a, as a spiritual lozenge for the day. Think about it as mapping the mind of God onto your mind. This is a long project which you undertake slowly, day by day. So pick a time, read the Bible systematically. Third of all, stick with it. Like I said, angels are not going to come down and hover and surround you and lift you up every day. <laughs> I heard one pastor say, he was reading Leviticus, and it, it warned him, not to sacrifice to the demon goat. And he said, well, I'm good. I got that down. I'm not going to, I don't feel compelled when I'm passing the farm to go and sacrifice to the demon goat. So I got that. But the next day, he said, so he didn't, it's not like he was lifted out of his spiritual seat when he read that. But the next day, he was, he was meditating, I forget what the passage was, but a specific passage that hit his heart in a unique way. So, I want to encourage you to stick with it. Pick a time, read the Bible systematically, and stick with it. So this is how you can make daily Bible reading a habit for the rest of your life. And I encourage you to do that. Now, some of you are saying that you or might feel that you don't have enough time. Who's busy out there? Who's Nydia's busy and Gary. And I, I, think, I think Art was busy too. <laughs> so you don't have enough time. You do have enough time. You absolutely do. If you look on Amazon.com and you look up the ESV Audio Bible on CD, the running time for the whole ESV study Audio Bible from Genesis to Revelation is 74 hours and 37 minutes. Now, by comparison, I think there's 160 hours in one week. But this person reads the ESV Bible in 74 hours. So Crossway put out a great little infographic. I think you can still look it up online. It's called, You Have More Time to Read the Bible Than You Think. It says, For 30 minutes a day, if someone was reading at a regular pace for 30 minutes a day, you would read the whole New Testament in 40 days. And you would get through the Old Testament in 120 days. And you'd get through the whole Bible in 160 days. In just 12 minutes a day, 
Now, we're getting ridiculous here because you have 12 minutes for the Lord, right? To meet the Lord. In just 12 minutes a day, you could read the whole Bible in one year for just 12 minutes a day. They say, does that still feel ambitious? In just six minutes per day, you could read the entire New Testament over the course of six months. So, here's the word. You can do it. You could definitely do this. I know you're busy. I know you have a lot of responsibilities. But you can definitely do this. And through consistent and just diligence, just being diligent every day, you would be getting through the Bible one time a year, maybe more, if you committed yourself to 15 to 30 minutes a day. I, I think you can do that. Second of all, I want you to get, not just plant yourself next to the stream of God's voice, I want you to get your roots into the stream. Okay? Because it's not just reading. The man in Psalm 1 meditates on the Word day and night. He meditates on the Word. Now, one time when I was... I was really a young man. I was probably 25, 24, 25 at this point. I went to a Buddhist temple because I wanted to talk to a Buddhist monk to try to convert him. I was feeling very strong in the Lord. And, and so I went to this Buddhist monk and I was debating this Buddhist monk on spiritual matters. Um, he said something, just side note, he said something very interesting. The Buddhist religion... The, the goal of Buddhism is to cease to exist. And I said, well, wouldn't you rather be, be in heaven? And he said, no, I think I'd rather cease to exist. And my great fear for men like that is they, may, they will get their wish. Or something like it. Or maybe worse. So, but that's not what I'm talking about. Um, the Buddhist monk explained to me that... Um, Buddhist meditation. The point of Buddhist meditation is to empty your mind by focusing on something meaningless and to kind of become part of nothing. That is the precise opposite of Christian meditation. Christian meditation is to fill your mind with God's voice so that you can be more in tune with what is true. So it's the precise opposite of Buddhist meditation. Buddhist meditation is just emptying your mind. And I think that's what most people talk, think of when they think of the word meditation. I'm talking about carefully using your intellect to fill yourself with what God is saying to you. So, it's, it's reaching for more insight into the Word of God. How do you read the Bible meditatively then? First of all, Read the Bible expectantly. Alright, so I just told you to read two chapters a day. When you do that, approach the scripture as if God has something to say to you today. That you are going to meet the Lord today somehow. And then, while you're reading, what passage is the Holy Spirit pressing upon your heart? Impressing you with? Is it a command to keep? Is it an example to follow? Is it a promise to cling to? 
Is it an, an error to avoid? Is it a conviction to live by? What is that thing that the Holy Spirit is impressing upon your heart? Right there. I was reading 2 Corinthians yesterday. And the Apostle Paul's ministry stuck out to me as so exemplary. He said, this is my boast among you. That I behaved myself when I was with you with simplicity and godly sincerity. I want that. I want to be a minister who just carries out God's task with simplicity and godly sincerity. Period. I love that. So I was, I was thinking, meditating, using my intellect to ask questions like, what does it mean to behave myself with sincerity? Well, it means that I believe what I'm saying to you. It means I believe that I'm not preaching or ministering with affectation, but it's really coming from who I am. That's sincerity. It's a genuineness. So that means that I have to be very devoted in my time with the Lord. That I have to actually have a vital relationship with my God. So I'm meditating on these things. So when you, when you are reading the Word, very often something is going to resonate with you. Ask questions about it. Get it into your, your spirit and your soul. Knit it into your heart. Second, so read expectantly, and I just touched on this, but then ruminate over a particular passage, which is what I just said. It resonated with you. You found it. Ask questions about it. What does it mean? And how can I take it with me through this throughout the day? Thirdly, and lastly, what I want you to do is not only read the Bible every day, not only meditate on the Bible, but there's one more thing. Is I, I want to encourage you to write down your thoughts. I want to encourage you to, to begin a, a journal, a scripture journal. There is such benefit in writing down what the Holy Spirit has impressed on your heart. I talked to John about this. John does this, right? I've been doing this for quite a few years now. Um... Writing down your thoughts is going to bring your meditation out of the fog of your mind and put it into the physical world. And you're going to be able to, when you write something down, you have to articulate yourself. And so you're not just letting what resonated with you remain kind of a, a foggy gas or an ether up there. You're actually putting it down on paper and clarifying your thoughts. So this is precisely what God is saying to me today. Write down what it means, what it means for me, how I can obey it, how I can trust it, how I can cling to it, and begin to develop a true conversational relationship with the Lord that way. Begin to know God. And then that journal itself can become a record of how God has been dealing with your soul. And you can see how the Lord has grown you, developed you over time. And sometimes, don't get too complicated about it. I remember the first entry in my journal 
I think it was April 2017. I was very confused that day. I had just taken over the pastorate and um, I was overwhelmed. And I remember writing, I am a wave tossed in the ocean right now. And that was 2017. It's 2022. And by God's grace, I am no longer that. But I can go back and see where the Lord has taken me. Um, so it's a record of God, how God has been dealing with your souls. So I want to, this is just an encouragement. There's, there's nothing um, unique about what I'm saying. This is what the people of God has always, have always done. They've always gone to the Lord in Scripture. So read the Bible every day. Meditate on the Word and write down your thoughts and you will be, start to become like a tree that's planted by streams of water and you will bear your fruit in season. In closing, I want to read a passage that I find so encouraging. This is in Don Whitney's book, Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life. He quotes um, Jeffrey Thomas, who wrote the following. Do not expect to master the Bible in a day, or a month, or a year. Rather, expect to be puzzled by its contents. It is not all equally clear, and great men of God often feel like absolute novices when they read the word. The Apostle Peter said that there were some things hard to understand in the epistles of Paul. I'm glad he wrote that, because I felt that often too. So do not expect to always get an emotional charge or a feeling of quiet peace when you read the Bible. By the grace of God, you may expect to that frequent, frequent times, but often you will get no emotional response at all. But let the word break over your heart and your mind again and again as the years go by. And imperceptibly, there will come great changes in your attitude and your outlook and your conduct. You will probably be the last to recognize these. And often, you will feel very, very small. But increasingly, the God of the Bible will become too wonderfully great. So go on reading until you can read no longer. And then you will not need the Bible anymore. Because when your eyes close for the last time at death, and never again to read the word of God in Scripture, you will open them again to the word of God in flesh. That same Jesus of the Bible, whom you have known for so long, standing before you to take you forever to his eternal home. Get to know your God and be familiar with the Lord of your life. Let's close in a word of prayer.